This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now your host, Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County, and I hope you hear us well. Because we have Bill Spurlock on today, our superintendent of Rutherford County Schools. And, you know, you really do a great job over there, Bill. And uh, I I think that I used to say that being sheriff or over a law enforcement agency was the toughest job there was. But it's not. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's like you're fighting an uphill battle every day. Well, let me start off by saying your check is in the mail, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to cash that. I don't know. You might want to check it before you try to uh, cash it. Now, do, do I get a, a raise on that? Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm not on any boards or anything, so I can't uh, legally ask for a raise. But uh, how, how does that work? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think you probably earned that over time, and uh, I, I think that check may be good. But I just want to take this opportunity this morning to get a shout-out to a couple of people if they're listening. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say uh, Miss Joyce Michaels. Amen to that. I can't be- uh, believe uh, that uh, you know it's been that long that she's been with us, but we look yeah. forward to her coming back. And I can tell you she is a jewel. She is. A jewel. And I'd also like to say a shout-out to that Terry Hodge. I know that guy's out there beating the bushes this morning. He's probably making more money than you and I could count. Well, I think that's because of Chico more than anything else. Well, you know, he's got to have a he's got to have someone around there prodding him, you know, keeping yeah. him in line from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the way things are, I, I don't even like to mention the disease because it, it, that's all you hear anymore. But uh, everything has changed so much as far as the teacher-student relationship. And you, you see that as it happens, and uh, uh, it, there's nothing positive that comes out of whatever you're having to do right now, and especially when, well, a lot of things are virtual, and, and uh, everyone is afraid to, that they're going to get the, the disease or whatever. But you, uh, you brought up something at the meeting uh, last time, and a lot of times those type of information that you pass on really um, kind of falls on deaf ears sometimes. So tell me exactly, because people need to know mm-hmm. uh, what you were suggesting as far as uh, the daily activities in the school. Yeah, one of the, what we had brought up, uh, and, and this was not unique, uh, one of the things we knew is that our biggest issue 
as far as the COVID is concerned in our schools is what we call contact tracing, mm-hmm. uh, where you know someone may be positive and uh, they go out, but also because they were in close proximity to someone for uh, less than six feet for a time of 15 minutes, uh, then they must quarantine. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it impacts our staffing. You know, yeah. uh, unfortunately, it doesn't allow us to have enough teachers in the school to address the needs. And our substitutes, you know, is is uh, not is where we need it to be, our substitute uh, pool. Mm-hmm. And it's not because of the vendor. It's just kind of challenging in terms of the uh, the need, yeah. you know. And, and I, I mentioned, you know, one of the things I, th- I think you're right, you know, with the virtual schools and virtual learning, it, it is going to be a tool that we're going to be able to take with us as when this uh, – pandemic uh passes however it's not for everyone i don't yeah. uh, you know i think uh kids need to be in the schools uh, you know and safe obviously and they need to have interaction with their peers and they need to have that interaction with their with their teachers and i mm-hmm. think even teachers w- uh, would say the same thing because you know a lot of times you can learn a lot from your peers, mm-hmm. and and that's where we're as we as we look go forward, and as like I said, I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very optimistic about where we'll be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pandemic has has really shined a light on a lot of different things. I think things will be a little bit different as we go forward, but I think we will never ever uh, you know eliminate the need for that uh, in person learning. It will provide us some more opportunities to do, you know, uh, uh, virtual learning. But I don't think we'll ever get where we don't need that. I think that's important not only for uh, the uh, the uh, uh, cognitive uh, 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 increase, the cognitive ability, but it's also important to increase that emotional uh, you know, learning that we mm-hmm. take that takes place daily. You know what to do when adversity hits you. You know. Uh, what to do when something doesn't go your way, uh, you know, a variety of different things like that. I think it's very important uh, to the makeup as, as a child is growing up, and, and the school is part of that process along with a, with a family unit. Now, uh, the hybrid situation, mm-hmm. or, or yeah. I, I, I guess that's probably yeah. your term. I, I had never heard of well, it utilizing yeah, this what Yeah, what, what we were attempting to do is, obviously, we know that there's three things that you can do to mitigate the virus. Mm-hmm. You know, you can social distance, which means you're going to be uh, keep uh, a distance of six feet or more uh, from whomever you're uh, around. You can wash your hands and, and, and clean the, the facilities mm-hmm. and uh, wearing a mask. We know that the mask uh, will not prevent the virus, but it can slow down the mitigation of the virus. What were our attempt on the on the uh, the hybrid, if you will, was uh, to to reduce the number of people on our campus each day of the week. Mm-hmm. And it's not a perfect thing, but that provides us an opportunity to social distance. Yeah. Now, as I stated before, social distancing also keeps us from getting caught up in what we call quarantine. For example, you and I are more than six feet away right now. Mm-hmm. However, if I was positive and we were less than six feet away, and I know we're going to be talking more than 15 minutes, 
and I was to come down, like I said, being positive, you would have to go into quarantine yeah. for 10 days or, or perhaps take a rapid test somewhere in that 10 days. So that's where we're having our challenges a lot in our schools. And, 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 I'm, not, and I'm not making light of this virus at all, uh, but our biggest challenges are our staffing. You know, we do know that uh, kids can get the virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that 99.9% of those kids that get the virus uh, are not going to have uh, dramatic symptoms. Right. You know? And we know that some teachers can get the virus, and we know that uh, if they get the virus because of underlying health conditions, it can be uh, problematic. So we have to be very cognizant of that. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things that uh, I, and I'm a proponent of is we always need to be uh, very careful in terms of how we, uh, how we provide this instruction in this, in this environment. We've got to be very careful to understand that if we do it the right way, we're going to mitigate the virus. In other words, we're going to decrease the number of people that get it. Mm-hmm. If we do it the wrong way, then obviously we're going to increase that. And I think our faculties, our, our, our staff, our administrators have done a fabulous job the first semester. You know, it, it's not perfect, but let me let me say that. Let's say this. They've done as best as they can do. Yeah. I, I think sometimes our approach, we must think it through. And, you know, one of the things we can't do is we can't just throw our hands up and say, well, you know, I don't know. We can't we can't do anything. We all got to go and hide under a rock somewhere. Yeah. You know, and and I don't think that we've done that. I I think our uh, administrators, our staff and our and our faculty have have worked very uh, diligently in order to provide uh, an effective opportunity for instruction to take place. What we got to do now is we've got to look on those things that we did well the first semester, and we need to keep the, doing those things. Anything that was, uh, you know, wasn't as effective, we need to regroup and retool and do it differently. The, there's so many things that are involved, Bill, as you well know, as much as anybody else. You, you have uh, the numbers of teachers that that you can utilize. Um, in, in this situation, it, you lower the bar quite a bit as far as how many you're going to have. And then uh, the, the, a lot of the students, as we know, probably have had the virus, and we don't even know it. They're, they're asymptomatic. They're, you're, you're not going to be able to, to even know unless they have been tested. So... Uh, the unknown seems to be the biggest problem with this particular disease. And uh, it hit at a time where uh, many uh, of the teachers, I presume, uh, would probably have a problem if they got the virus. And and, uh, they don't feel comfortable coming in the schools. And then you have others that would they want to get back into the classroom. So it, 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 you, you've got a problem no matter where you turn. Absolutely. I, I, and I think, and I, I agree, I think there are, are some individuals that, that it, it can be very impact, impactful for them, and, and they need to, to, to use that, uh, you know, that information that's provided to do what's best for them. 
and, and I don't have an issue whatsoever with that. And I, and I think that, you know, we as a, as a school district have done a, a great job uh, of, of accommodating those that need accommodations, and we will continue to do that. You know, one of the things that I, I want our, everyone to understand is we make decisions, and, and we make those decisions. These are hard decisions, yeah. and they're not all going to be popular. And, and I don't think you're, one, one's going to be complaining and one's going to be uh, shouting out loud how great you are. Mm-hmm. That's not why we make decisions. You know, I always say this. Uh, in the room of decision makers, the one who screams the loudest is the one that doesn't have a vote. Yeah. And, you know, as they say, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, a lot of times we have to, they don't understand what we, what uh, different areas we take in consideration as we make these decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do. Look, I understand. I've got grandchildren. Uh, I have a grandson that's actually in the system, and I have uh, two children that actually work in the system. So I do understand these how these decisions are made and how they impact people, and, and I respect that. Uh, I think when we have a, uh, a civil conversation in which we can discuss our concerns, I think that's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, when we take to social media and we throw everyone under the bus and we and we call them, you know, not th- not caring about the health of our children or staff and our mm-hmm. and our and our administrators, I think that's very, uh, you know, I don't think that's uh, very strong in terms of mending what we need to mend. Mm-hmm. So uh, my point being is, look, it's a, they don't call it a pandemic for any reason at all. Yeah. I think we would all agree that we have been used as a political pawn from time to time. Yeah. And, and it's not unheard of. It's been done many times before. And, uh, you know, that we have to rely on uh, the medical and, and, and uh, field, and those that are providing us with. I know you mentioned uh, someone uh, who provided some information, and, and I think that's important. I think it that's. Is. I think those are the people that understand this, you know, and, and that's what we do. We reach out uh, to those in the medical field. We reach out to them, and, and we rely a lot on the information that they provide us. And we've, we've had a situation where there, there's a lot of dissension in Washington, as we know. And the, the, the medical people who first came out with all the information, we have found out that a lot of it was inaccurate and and then uh, as it's passed on, people just take that now as gospel. I mean, whatever they're saying is what you have to do. And unfortunately, uh, too many things got involved in it. And we had uh, Dr. Rudd on yesterday, I did, and uh, uh, I have probably more respect for him when it comes to diagnosing particular diseases and and what what you should do as far as uh, protecting yourself and so many things have changed since this virus first became known nationally and and the way it is now and they're learning more but unfortunately uh, it pretty much brought our country to a standstill without having full knowledge of what this disease particularly does and uh, unfortunately also you are in a position with teaching the uh, young people it seems like there's only one side 
that's actually being aired right now for, from individuals, and we've seen it in our universities, and I I hope that we never see that in our uh, K through 12s. You know, one of the things I think this um, pandemic has done for us is it's shined a light on a lot of different things in mm. terms of how we as a country have to prepare better. Yeah. You know, and I, I, and I think this is something that uh, as Americans that we need to coalesce behind, uh, try to look at that, uh, you know, supply chain that we, where, where we get our medication and things of that nature mm-hmm. and, and try to make this more seamless. You know, uh, you know, as we as we look at these things, one of the things I always say about when you are faced with adversity, mm-hmm. if you use it and you respond the right way, yeah. you will grow from it. You will retrace what you did well, things you could have improved upon, and you will be prepared i think as 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 united states citizens we need to prepare ourselves this uh you know we don't nothing says this can't happen again yeah um you know and i think as we prepare ourselves we can be uh you know meet those challenges as they come and uh you know and and i i know there's a lot of uh, uh you know politics on both sides that have used this uh, this pandemic as uh, as something other than what it should have been used, mm-hmm. uh, but we've got to you know as United States citizens we got to move past that point. What we've got to do is we've got to understand that we live in the greatest country in this world, right? And uh, you know there's a lot of sacrifice that went into the rights that we have as United States citizens. You know, I am I have a tremendous respect of our military. I think those that served our country, those that protect our country, that have given their life for our country. I have a strong respect for, for our police officers, our first responders. Mm-hmm. They're on the scenes. They're doing jobs daily that no one would want to do. Now, I know they don't do it because someone is going to praise them, but they d- would expect someone to respect them. Yeah. And I think that's what we have to understand, that we're all this in this together. We're our United States citizens. We're, we're Americans, and we have a responsibility. And our responsibility is to make this country the best we can. And by doing this, we have to respect one another. You know, and I think that's where we've kind of uh, gotten off board a little bit there, lost a little sense of what it means to be a United States citizen. You know, December the 7th, 1941, mm-hmm. was a time that this country, in in an, an amazingly quick way, they all joined together hand-to-hand, and they built this country into the greatest country in the world, basically. And when, when they do that, then we can be pretty much rest assured that it's going to continue to be that way, the the, the light of the world, you might say. Right. And, and uh, when you've got uh, – it, it's almost like uh, a brainwashing-type tactic. I, I remember when Khrushchev said, we'll never attack the United States but we will get you from within. And and it's almost that process that's going on right now where it, they're dividing everybody, it, it seems like. And, and there's there's not a, a, a true goal that everybody's reaching for that's good for our country. You know, one of the things that is, I, you know, as I'm not that old, but as I look back, one of the things I can tell you is that 
what we are currently facing is the inability to problem solve. Right. The inability that uh, when adversity comes your way, you've got two choices. Mm-hmm. You can stand and with, uh, withstand that adversity and move on and get stronger, or you can just crawl up, crawl up in the ball, curl yeah. up in the ball. You know, one of the things, I think we are, we're very short-sighted. And, you know, you, if you talk about 9-11, for example, there was a lot of coming together, but it, it didn't last long. Yeah. You know, because, you know, nothing says that we can't, like I said, nothing says there can be another crisis that occurs. Uh, and we've got to be able to stand together as, as a nation and to withstand what is brought our way and to to persevere. You know, that's one of the things we don't teach. Persevere. You know, mm-hmm. what does that mean? That means that you may knock me down, and, but I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to go forward with whatever my goal and objective might be. That's the same thing for our school systems. You know, we know we're facing a challenge, but guess what? We're moving forward. We're advancing forward. We're like the United States Marine you know, the Marines say they don't ever retreat. They just advance backwards, okay? <laughs> so what we're doing is we want to advance, you know, and we know that we're going to be stationary at time, but uh, uh, some of the times, but we're going to move forward. At the end of the day, we want to move forward with pre, uh, providing better opportunities for our students, our staff, and our administrators. You know, when when you mentioned that about the Marines and and what I was going on, I I, I think of Iwo Jima, and uh, I didn't see it, but they said that the girls' basketball team at UT, uh, most of them uh, did not stand for the flag, and I think about when they raised that flag and lifted it in Iwo Jima, and it it just uh, it still brings chills down my back. Mm-hmm. And you, you compare that with people not even standing mm-hmm. to, for that flag. And so many of our people died defending the flag. And you, you say, what in the world is wrong with these people? Because, you know, you've seen so many. Uh, you've seen things that uh, the media tries to find to have their particular way of looking things as far as our country is concerned is not always something that uh, they they spread the division that's going on they're the ones that create the division and you see these law enforcement officers responding to protect people many times they have had to use the ultimate weapon to to take care of them and then, and then there's riots going on. And then you, you look at the background of these individuals they're having to deal with. I mean, most of them are criminals to the highest degree. When you see, if anybody, you and I were taught that if a law enforcement officer stops you when you're driving, you say, yes, sir, or, or, or yes, ma'am, or whatever, because you know you've done something wrong, and you say, uh, and then you thank them for stopping you and whatever. But it, it's gone the opposite direction, where they're trying to uh, make the law enforcement officers the bad guys, when when the opposite is true. You know, one of the things that we try to uh, 
to always say in in terms of uh, you know because a lot of our teachers said well you know we we're not teaching them our students and they're talking about our students responsibility mm-hmm. we're not teaching our students responsibility you know one of the things I always say to them you never taught them responsibility you supported responsibility and yeah. accountability because it started at home that's where it starts you know and one of the things you know you talked about the kneeling. I, you know, one of the things I, I always try to say is what am, what are they uh, get, trying to get across? And and, and I, I'm not going to say that that's not their right. I'm just going to say that that wouldn't be my choice. Yeah. You know, and, and, and quite frankly, because I understand, you know, from a perspective of, of known, known, knowing some people that are in law enforcement, that that job is hard, very difficult. And I, I'll be one of the first one to tell you that I wouldn't want it. And, and I'll tell you why, because I think people don't understand what they're, what they're, they face daily, mm-hmm. in, daily in and out. If, if when I pull, if I was a law enforcement uh, officer and I pulled a car over, I would naturally, especially in today's society, be wary of the person in the vehicle, whether, no, no matter what the color of their skin is, mm-hmm. is of, uh, do they have a weapon? Are they are, you know, because there's a lot of things that that they a split second decision between whether they go back to their home, to their to their families at night and whether they don't go back home to their families at night. So, you know, I don't I try to be very, uh, very calculating when I I, when I look at those kind of things. Now, am I naive enough to say that every law enforcement is above reproach? Absolutely not. Uh, But I would say the same thing about uh, politicians. I'd say the same thing about school teachers, superintendents of school, you name it. Mm -hmm. I I think we all know that we're human and we can make mistakes. But I think sometimes it's easier for society to paint with a wide brush than to take it on a one-by-one case yeah you know and i think i think the media loves the dissension i I would agree with that you know you brought up a good point when you and i were talking i said social media has been the 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 downfall of america but you know what it's not just social media you brought it up it's regular media yeah you know and and i get it you know it's all about what sells you know and, and quite frankly it's generated by that what story can I put on the front page or online that will have that shock and awe value that will attract people to that site so that I can sell those ads so that I can generate that money that goes into uh, you know the coffers and, and and that's one thing that we don't understand we don't understand as uh, United States citizens that not everything that we read is exactly uh, the truth verbatim, word to word, and not. And so we need to be cognizant of that. And sometimes, you know, we got to understand that sometimes when we when we hear something, we need to research that first because that's not necessarily a what we call a primary source. That may be a source from a source, and, and so forth and so on. And we know. Uh, just from that little game we played as kids where, where you you got a rumor and he passed it around in a group and by the time it got back, guess what? It was completely opposite of what you said. Yeah, and that, <laughs> I can remember even in law enforcement when we would have uh, classes 
uh, we would have someone whisper into the ear, and then they go from person to person. And the time it got back to the one who started it, it was a completely different story. Absolutely. And, and, and but we depend on those things. We depend on people's reactions, especially when say it, it's it's a, a, a capital crime or something like that, and people witness mm-hmm. that. It, it's it's a very strong piece of evidence when someone actually sees a crime happening, and uh, you you get a, a really really good attorney who who's who uh, can actually create something in the minds of of the witnesses, then all of a sudden you're going to have a hard time to uh, present that case before the judge or a jury. It, it's amazing, but. Uh, Teaching the young people in class to get along with others. That's one of the reasons we, we, well, one of the many reasons that we put school resource officers in schools is so that they could build a relationship with those officers and see they're just like their moms and dads or whatever, and they're there. For them, uh, a law enforcement is there to protect a community and part of the community, and and and, it, and actually its own community is the school that, that they're in. And uh, I, I just I, I really believe uh, that uh, if if they can follow suit and just learn from their relationship, it, it, it always seems to help a community a lot better. Absolutely. You know, I've seen a lot of good things uh, with our SROs and our schools, uh, developing those relationships with those kids, you know, and it goes, I mean, it even goes past when they become adults. I've seen, I've seen uh, young adults come back to the school and, and guess who they want to go see the SRO, you know, yeah. and, and some of these relationships that's, in, that's been uh, created has been very powerful. You know, I mean, it, it, it crosses over every kind of socioeconomics, any kind of uh, ethnicity, race, or anything. That relationship that they bond with those individuals, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the caring, the relationship that the SRO has for that for that student, you know, it, it, it's it's amazing to me. You know, that's one of the things we need more of. You know, if there's one thing that I would like to do in our school system, is is develop those those those. Uh, adults relationships you know maybe outside entities that can take some of these kids under their wing Mm -hmm. and and do things you know and 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 be a mentor for them you know because there's a lot of things you know our kids are very talented i mean some of them you they just blow you away with 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 the different kind of talents they have and they've never had this opportunity you know And, and they've never had some of them never had this this ability of someone saying, you know, you're important as an individual. You know, mm-hmm. I know their teachers do it, but, you know, their teachers have their plates full also. But I think they, they need that. They need that. They need that, uh, uh, that, that ability to understand that they're more than a test score, uh, that they're more than just someone who sits in that desk. They are, are someone that is going to make a difference in the lives of others. Yeah. And, and and empowering them, you know, that's our mission statement. We want to empower them. You know, we want to give them that ability that when they leave us, that they're better off, that they aspire to go on to something different. And I think we, as we continue to evolve, you know, we need to put that on the on the on the front 
page. You know, when, when we when we are educating our kids, it's not just about knowledge, but it's about caring. It's about understanding different points of view. It's about being responsible. You yeah. know, and, and and that's what happens. You know, that's what and ultimately we're going to be judged by what that child does once they leave us. With this exploding population that we've got here, and uh, uh, it the way that uh, teachers uh, are um, trying to make it through life, that they they go through a university uh, at least four years, and uh, they became they 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 want to aspire to be someone who teaches our young people. But uh, with what they're paid and all the other uh, things that are going on uh, right now, it's very difficult uh, to have the numbers that you really need to go into the classroom. And is it harder to find the level of individual that you really want to have in your schools here in Rutherford County as it was years ago when we had smaller populations, the the teachers that we had were the top of the line, and and, uh, and they didn't have all the other things that they had to deal with back in those days. Because I still, uh, every one of my teachers that I had, I still have the ultimate uh, respect for those particular individuals because they meant a lot to me. Of course, my mom and dad were, were great teachers and my grandparents and, and, and those particular things. So um, you don't have kids coming into the school system that really haven't had that um, uh, hometown touch that, that they really needed before they got into the school system. Well, I'm a little biased, but I think we got some great, some of the best teachers in the state of Tennessee, probably in the United States here. Yeah. We just don't have enough of them. You know, one of the things that we do know is that our, our university is not putting out as many, and not many people are going into it. And, and it used to be a teacher's college. Right, absolutely. And, you know, and, and one of the things, I think it's it's a societal change. There's a lot on teachers. You know, I, I don't know if we could pay a teacher enough, mm-hmm. to be quite frankly, we uh, one of the, one of the things that I, I you know that I, I look at and, and I see I see a lot of individuals that have options in life and, you know and and perhaps uh, history uh, as it's changed over time and and as the teachers have taken more of a brunt of it and uh, of of things that are going on they they turned away from it you know mm-hmm. and and one of our biggest challenges. Quite frankly, uh, for 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 Rutherford County is not only do we not have the the pool of you know that we used to have, yeah. but we have some of our, our our former educators that get on social media and run down education. You know, quite frankly, you and I know this. The backbone of this nation is the K twelve public education. Yes. I mean, we're preparing those leaders. I mean, I can't tell you how many uh, uh, people, even in our state government, that that graduated from a Tennessee public high school. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the most important thing. That should be our number one focus. If you want to, you know, I, look, I, I understand in terms of the big picture and the federal. You know, you got your military and you got your law enforcement. You got health uh, uh, providers and, and health in. Insurance and things, that's very important. But you know what's the most important thing? Education, yeah. you know. 
education of our young people. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's difficult to do when the workforce is, is being depleted. And, uh, you know, we've got to invest, and we've got to invest smart, and we've got to do, be smart with our investment. Our investment not is just can't be just monetarily, and it can't be just money, mm-hmm. although that's part of it. Training, you know, more more effective training, which it costs money, and and, and identifying those that uh, are uh, have this uh, inact ability of, of being a leader. We need to invest in those people, you know, and and, and empower them to to continue on. Uh, you know, one of the things that we're going to be doing is we've thrown a net all across the state of Tennessee and the southeast Tennessee looking for teachers, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, we will continue to do that. There's, we, we've got to look at different ways to reach them, uh, reach them early. You know, we want to uh, get them as soon as, uh, as they have this uh, uh, ability to know what is it I want to do. And that's quite frankly what we're doing with our students. We we're, we're want our students to know uh, as they leave our high schools, what is it that I have a strength in and I also have a passion for? Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, we want, we know that student debt is a huge problem in the United States. And, and quite frankly, a lot of that is due to students going to college, not really understanding what is it that I have a strength for or what is it going to take for me to attain what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, a lot of times they go to college and they change their majors two or three times. And, you know, I don't blame the college for that. I blame sometimes I blame us for that. I, I blame us for not being doing a better job of guiding them and, and providing the support for them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they go to a college and they get a degree, but it's in a degree in something they have no interest in or perhaps it's something they don't have a lot of an ability in. Yeah. You see, so it's no different than anything else. There's this term called ROI, return on investment. When you look at a college degree and how much it costs, you know, you, you should, as a consumer, you should look out and see when is it is the breaking point? When is yeah. it the point in which what I have attained is equal to or greater than what I paid on the back of the front end. Yeah. You see, and that's not always occurring. I may leave, I may leave college, and, and this believe this, believe this or not, this happens a lot with sixty or seventy thousand dollars of student debt. Oh, I know a lot more than that. Uh huh. And, and so, how long is it going to take for me to recoup that in the area that I've chosen to invest in? And what we're doing is we're we're providing these aptitude tests. Mm-hmm. You know. We're providing these tests that says, you know, this is something that's innate. This is something within me that I have a good ability. I have a great ability to, to, to take this ability and do something fantastic with it. You know? Can you redirect those students? Uh, there are uh, some classes that they're going to have a very difficult mm-hmm. time, a, a, as you well know. Uh, and can you redirect? Redirect. I, I hear that they're wanting to take a quick break, but uh, I'm going to ask you this question, and then you can answer it. Can you redirect them away from those required subjects that they're? It's not going to really benefit them much at all. Well, let, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back. 
from NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. We at Ferret Construction offer a 24-hour emergency service. Whether your shingles are blown off your roof, you have a tree on your roof, or if your whole house flooded, we offer a 24-hour emergency service. That's why it's important to shop local. They're your neighbors, and they take care of you. We're family here at Fair Construction. We care about you. This is Ron Hall with Fair Construction. Call 615-893-6120. That's Fair Construction Company. At Heritage South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. It's what our members tell us we do every day. Whether it's a loan for a car you need to get to work or saving for the future, let us see if we can help. If you live, work, worship, or attend school in Rutherford, Bedford, or Marshall Counties, you can be a member of Heritage South. Visit our website, HeritageSouth.org, to learn more. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. If only I could spend my whole paycheck on new tires, said no one ever. Which is why Bud's Tire Pros makes buying Michelin tires simpler. Allison Mitchell at Bud's Tire Pros can help you out. For service you can trust without the hassle, visit your local Bud's Tire Pros in town. They offer a straightforward approach to service, and they include the nationwide warranty with every purchase. Stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. To find out more, visit BudsTireProsTN.com. Hey, gentlemen, start your new year off right, prioritizing your health with a quick and easy health assessment at Low T Center. They exclusively specialize in men's wellness and follow strict medical guidelines for your health and safety. They are one of the leading men's medical providers in the country. Low T Center has reinvented the doctor's visit, making it quick and easy to get all your levels checked, not just your testosterone. It starts with an annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment so that you'll know all of the numbers that are important to your health. If you've been feeling tired, grumpy, noticed weight gain, and a loss of muscle mass, these could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center can determine the cause and help. And now they offer monitored self-inject at home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety, including a take-home blood pressure monitoring cuff. Book your annual wellness exam today at lowtcenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. French's Shoes and Boots is the number one place in Tennessee to find the latest Southern styles at unbelievable prices. We know you work hard for your money, so when searching for high-quality footwear that won't let you down, French's has you covered. We have a huge selection of casual and work shoes and boots at the best prices in town, guaranteed. It makes good sense to shop at French's. French's Shoes and Boots. 1837 South Church Street in Murfreesboro. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. A woman was caught on camera allegedly attempting to break into a detached garage in Murfreesboro on January 5th. Now police need your help discovering who she is. The homeowner got a motion notification on his ring camera and saw a woman in his backyard and recorded her. When he spoke to her through the camera, she got into the passenger seat of a car, which quickly pulled away. The video is posted online at WGNSRadio.com. And so is a number to call if you think you know who she is. 
protesters trying to send a message to the Tennessee lawmakers. They greeted the lawmakers yesterday as a new legislative session started. Members of the Knoxville-based Black Coffee Justice Group chanted and carried Black Lives Matter signs and flags to the Capitol. Members of the group say they want Medicare for All, full funding of unemployment health care benefits, and the adoption of the Breonna Taylor Law, ending no-knock warrants. Middle Tennessee Electric announced an update to its brand. MTE, still legally known as Middle Tennessee Electric Membership Corporation, is making only the third brand update in its 84-year history. The co-op's new brand signifies the organization's ongoing evolution while underscoring its commitment to be the trusted energy resource and partner the members have always known. And as we mentioned, that new legislative session is underway. For Tennessee lawmakers, the 112th General Assembly started Tuesday. It convenes as law enforcement officials anticipate a risk of armed protest ahead of President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration. After last Wednesday's deadly riot in Washington, D.C., the FBI issued an internal bulletin predicting armed protest at Capitol buildings in all 50 states over this next week. When news breaks, we tweet it. Follow us at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Have you been hoping to win $1,000 a day every day for the rest of your life with the added excitement of a chance to win instantly? Well, with Cash for Life with Quick Cash, today could be your lucky day. Give it a try. Simply add Quick Cash to your next Cash for Life purchase for a chance to win instantly. But wait, there's more. Then watch the nightly Cash for Life drawing to see if you win $1,000 a day or week for life. Cash for Life with Quick Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Somewhere out there, a math teacher's school loans were forgiven, allowing her to focus on paying it forward, not back. Somewhere out there, a parent is breathing easier, knowing their child's college education will cost a little less. Somewhere out there, a Hope Scholarship just helped a student open the door to a brighter future. And they all have players like you to thank for the $5.5 billion raised for education. Because every time someone plays the Tennessee Lottery, education wins. The Tennessee Education Lottery. Game-changing, life-changing fun. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Analexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Skies become mostly sunnier for this afternoon with a high in the upper 40s. Winds out of the southwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy alone near 30. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 23. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for Premier Six Theater. They're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with County Superintendent Bill Spurlock. And uh, I asked you a question, but we've got a caller on the line. So let you want to do that one first, Bill? All right. Caller, welcome aboard with Bill Spurlock. Thank you, Truman. I really appreciate your taking my call, and I especially want to thank Mr. Spurlock for his 
uh, coming on your show this morning. I've been listening with great interest in what he had to say, and I want to echo all that he has said. I can appreciate the um, problems that the county school board and uh, his, his office especially has had to go through with these changes that are coming about as a result of uh, the uh, epidemic. Uh, but I got a question regarding uh, how the uh, criteria, the curriculum is selected in the school system. For example, how do they select what is to be taught and how it's to be taught? In, in particular, I'm interested in the math. I can be yeah, great question. Uh, one of the things is the the curriculum, the, uh, the standards, as we talk about, is created by the, the State uh, Department of Ed. Uh, and in terms of the how how it's taught, that same pedagogy, uh, you know, is is passed down to our school system. However, there are some you know there are some uh, liberties that some can take. Uh, I would encourage anyone who, uh, if there's some issues that are going on uh, where you disagree with that, uh, just make yourself known to the principal of the administration of the school. If there's any challenges there, and then if uh, there's no kind of uh, information that's provided that you think is is uh, correct, then just reach out to us at the central office. I, I've had an opportunity to work with my granddaughter. Uh, I'm a retired engineer, and uh, both her parents work. And um, the uh, she's in the second grade, and for the first part of the year, she was part of the distance learning. And we were exposed to several teachers on the Zoom calls. And I have to tell you up front that every one of them were very, very good. Uh, I have no issue with the uh, teachers. Uh, they uh, are very patient with the students. They're very knowledgeable and so forth. But, in the, for example, in the math, they're teaching the kids how to add and subtract four different ways. And... Mm-hmm. None of those ways can be used later on when you're out in uh, just normal life trying to add and subtract. And it's becoming a problem. I have a friend who's a professor at MTSU, and she teaches uh, freshman mathematics, and she says that the number of students coming in to MTSU that cannot add and subtract without a calculator is more than half of the class. So I don't know that this is a local issue. I think it may become mm-hmm. something that needs to be addressed at the state, or maybe the school board should begin to address right. it. Right. I think a lot of that is. I mean, I think I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying, and you know, I, I recall my uh, my grandson's a second grader, and one of the things that uh, you know that we saw in terms when when distance learning in the in the math area is that some kids are better prepared. And and that is not uh, you know uh, that's not the way that uh, they when they were learning place value with various uh, symbols and things of that nature, you know this was not working for him because he was a little bit more advanced than that. You know back in back when I was in elementary school we had the old abacus, you know where you learned your place value, your tens, hundreds, and thousands, and things of that nature, and you also got to learn colors at the same time because it was colored. So there has been a lot of transition that has occurred over time, but I think what happens a lot of times when we do not differentiate 
you know, from one student to another, then that becomes problematic. I don't know if there's there are some standard things that you always do in, in mathematics, but I think there are some things when we start out at the foundational things. It's very important that we're in tune with what uh, that child is already currently knows and make sure that we accommodate accordingly. Uh, you know, and I would agree that perhaps maybe, you know, the, we, in order as a nation for us to continue to improve, and I don't think this is just a unique to Tennessee, we have to become stronger in, in our abilities that we, uh, we provide, and, you know, and get and acquire while we're in our, our K-12. Yeah, I agree with you. <clears throat> Before I retired, I was um, active in uh, technical recruiting and technical education for my company all across North America, and we were beginning to see a, a disturbing trend in the lack of education. It became harder and harder to find qualified people all across mm-hmm. the country. And whenever a student comes out of high school and can't add and subtract, he can just scratch off all the uh, technical fields because that's mm-hmm. an absolute must. It would be almost like somebody learning or trying to do a job as a translator but didn't know the language. Right. You know, one of the things, and I think a lot of things is is, is added to that, is the technology. I think we've, we've probably relied too heavily on things. And uh, getting back to what they call getting back to the basics is is very vitally important, especially at, at the early grades, because that's uh, that's a uh, a skill and a, and a knowledge base that's going to carry them through all through college. Yeah. One more thing, sir, and then I'll get off and not bother you anymore. But I totally support your comments about problem solving education. If that's the one thing that is most efficient that I found when I was recruit, recruiting technical people was their inability to do logical problem solving. And anything mm-hmm. you can do in the Rutherford County school systems to promote that, I totally support you. Well, I thank you very much. And like I said, I, I, I think feedback is important for us to improve, and we, uh, we need to listen and, and try to take these things and, and make them applicable to what we're doing in our classrooms daily. Well, Truman, you and Mr. Spurlock have a great day. You also. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Uh, being the uh, director of state education, I can't remember what Commissioner? The yeah, commissioner. commissioner. Yeah, commissioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many things that uh, may not um, be relevant or, 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 or may be uh, – it's going to cause more of a disturbance as far as each classroom when they pass that down. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any way to get their attention uh, and, and math? Uh, I was talking to you off the air uh, uh, as far as some of the math mm-hmm. uh, situations are going on right now. Um, can Will they listen as far as maybe changing the direction of some of the things they're doing? That may be not may not be a logical type situation in a classroom, or does it? Do they turn a deaf ear to it? You know, I, I, it's like anything else, uh, Truman. I think you know we've got to, as a society, we need to make sure that we coalesce together and yeah. and, and and come and you know, you know, several voices are more impactful than one voice. I mm-hmm. guess you know, and, and I, quite frankly, let's be honest, we're. 
we're public servants, you know, uh, yeah. in education. And we're here to serve our community, and we're here to improve the product. And our product happens to be uh, the knowledge acquired by our students. So mm-hmm. I think, I think listening, you know, and 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 speaking on some concerns is is vitally important. I think anything. See, that's the kind of uh, of things that we need to do, you know, we we it's, we don't need to get on social media and say this is not working no. or nothing. We need to be just have those op- open conversations with one another and understand that uh, we're not perfect. And uh, and I, I think as a as a public education in the state of Tennessee, I think we I think that's what the push is is going forward is is to to listen to where we can we can improve. You know, obviously we can improve a lot of things. I think adding additional things is not always the best answer i think looking at what you're doing and and uh changing it or tweaking it you know mm-hmm. if if needed i think that uh, unfortunately we've had this history in public education in the united states is we're going to solve a problem by adding an additional uh process to the mm-hmm. problem and that's not always the case you know and 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 i think it it, it takes that uh, like your caller that just called in, it takes people like that who have real experience and and, and understand uh, some things that that they're they've seen in their uh, profession, and looking at it and taking it to heart and and going back to the and, and tweaking something along the way. You know, you you do a great job in giving the kids a chance to use their God-given gifts mm-hmm. and. and uh, and some of those gifts that they have uh, are going to lead them to success in a career later on in life. But uh, they're not just what you do with them. Mm-hmm. You you uh, you work hand in hand in a partnership with the businesses mm-hmm. in this area. We do, and they do such a great job in in later on giving them the type of education to further that particular mm-hmm. gift and it it doesn't always go in the direction that the mainstream wants everybody to go to a university mm-hmm. somewhere or uh, instead of a technical school or whatever and um, it, it, i think that a lot of people uh, maybe uh, they're misdirected somewhere along the line and you guys do a really great job in making sure that they're given the opportunity to be successful. You know, one of the things uh, I, I look back on uh, on my career, and, and I, I had those support from not only from home, but I also had teachers that supported mm-hmm. me in terms of what would uh, something that I had a passion for. But you know, our biggest issue, I think, is we have got to become. Uh, where we look at and we allow our students as they get older, as they go through and beginning of, of middle school and into high school, exposing them to things that they would want to do after they complete their K-12 education. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do in the uh, eighth grade what we call a youth science assessment. And what this assessment is, it's not a score or anything of that nature. It's for them to discover these hidden talents that they have. Uh, 
It may be a talent in something like engineering. It may be a talent in something like, uh, you know, uh, um, in the math or, or, or science or things of that nature that they can use to, uh, uh, to produce or, or acquire a skill set that would provide a career. And it's called youth science. And, and one of the things that we know is aptitude is an important thing. You know, yeah. we all have our different strengths. You know, I, unfortunately, I think we got into a, you know, back in the 70s, we got into this mold that everyone's the same. Yeah. And what we found is that as we leave our high school and we go to college, we don't have a clue of what we want to major in. Mm-hmm. Or if we have a clue, maybe it's in an area that's not for us. And we change that uh, major two or three times. Yeah. And, and then we acquire this thing called student debt, you know, and then we, we that's a problem in itself. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a huge problem in the, in, in the United States. So what we want to do is we want to try to provide an opportunity for students to see where are they ha- where do they have these hidden talents this aptitude mm-hmm. you know when uh, we we saw this in the middle school and I've said this many times I'll say it again we we saw this in the middle school uh here last year or two ago when we did this you know we had we had we had what's called aptitude and interest mm-hmm. okay all right and in the under the engineering construction part in this particular middle school we had the females with an aptitude that was very low, or excuse me, the aptitude was very high, and the interest was very low. Hmm. Females. Yeah. By the same token, in that same school, we had males with the aptitude for engineering and areas of that low, and the interest high. So when you have that gap between your innate ability and your interest, you know, and you're not even thinking about, you know, in the in the female's case, you're probably not even been you, somewhere you were exposed to that. But that may not have been what people think of, uh, uh, you know, that uh, what they would like to do as a career. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Even though they had a greater aptitude, a greater skill set than the males. You know, so how do you bring them back up? I think that? what you got to do is you got to expose them early. You got to give them a tour of some of these things, these different occupations. And we do that. We 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 were doing it prior to the pandemic. We were bringing in industry and having what career day at our middle schools, mm-hmm. and exposing them early to these kind of uh, you know uh, jobs, so that they could actually see what this how this all fits together. Yeah. And I, I think going forward, you know, when this is going to pass. We know the pandemic is going to pass. We've got to continue that. You have to have that <clears throat> close relationship between teachers and students. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's amazing how some teachers just have that gift that the students just absolutely love them, and, they, and they're very attentive to what they're trying to teach them. You know, that's old adage, they don't care what you know until they know you care, you know. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's honestly, that's it's it. You know, you've yeah. got to have a passion for this profession. You know, those that last for many, many years, you know, they, they that's something, that's not just by happenstance. That, that's something that, that's a gift. 
yeah. you know, and and not everyone has that. And 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 quite frankly, it, we've probably seen less of that over the years because keep in mind we're, we've had a teacher shortage and, and and things of that nature. But I think uh, that's very important. You know, that uh, connection to that 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 child means a lot. You know, it means that you believe in them. That means that you're going to be there when they're struggling. Now, you're not going to, to pity them because, less, guess what? Pity doesn't help anybody. No. What you're going to do is, you, the old adage, you're going to give them a hand up. You're going to support them. There's nothing wrong with failing. Now, you're going to hear, say, what? There's nothing wrong with failing. As long as you learn from it yeah. and you go past it. You know, it, I, I, I can say that some of the greatest times that I learned about something and, and, and learned about myself is when I failed at something. Yeah. Because what that is, is that gives you that resolve. Because I don't know anyone, and this is a limited knowledge of my uh, part, I don't know anyone in that I've been associated with that hasn't had to face adversity at one time or another. And you have two choices when you face adversity. You can fight through it or you can give in to it. If you give in to it, you won't have to worry about adversity because you're going to be ineffective of what you do. So you fight through the adversity. You know, you you learn from it. You, You get stronger because of it. I just had a signal that we have to wrap up the show. Well, it is. But been a- I was wanting to continue on for about three or four. I absolutely <laughs> enjoy you as a guest. Well, I, I tell you what, it's easy to talk to someone who's lived it. And I know you've lived a lot of it and, and your experience in law enforcement and being our sheriff as long as you've been. Uh, and I know your family. I know your son. Uh, he's the same kind of uh, gentleman. And uh, you guys did a great job with, with that young man. Well, I am proud of them. I'm proud of both of them, and and uh, I I think that they become a major part of your life. Once you have a child, you have a major responsibility. But that the biggest responsibility is love, absolutely, and, and make sure they're structured correctly. And and, and I, I do want to mention that I I do know that you guys work. Uh, we, we've got a two year college mm-hmm. that's here. And it's mostly just kind of giving them a learning experience as far as what do they really want to do before they spend that $100,000. They do a great job. I, yeah. I, they do a great job is all I can say. Yeah. All right, Bill. Thank you so right. much for coming by. And uh, you, you'll have to buy my lunch. <laughs> all right. I, you, you got it. Thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. All right, guys. We will see you in the morning at 9 o'clock. And I think Bobby and Larry Stewart are going to be on in the morning. So we'll see you then. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.